0: In 1875, a bribery scandal threatened to derail the administration of Ulysses S. Grant. While Grant himself wasn't implicated, his personal secretary was, creating an obvious conflict of interest. So Grant turned to a novel concept, at least at the federal level. He appointed a neutral, special prosecutor to investigate the matter. Shortly thereafter, Grant set yet another precedent by firing the man he had appointed. But in doing so, he caused a political uproar forcing him to hire yet another prosecutor to take the place of the original. Today, we find ourselves in not-too-dissimilar territory. As former FBI director Robert Mueller engages in one of the most important investigations since Watergate, the rest of the world is left to piece together clues about where the case might end up. And with every new development, speculation is intensified about whether President Trump will attempt to quash the issue by firing Mueller and all who might stand in the way. Hello and welcome to the Harvard Kennedy School Policycast. I'm your host, Matt Cadwallader, and today we're going to try to make heads or tails out of where things stand with the help of HKS lecturer Juliette Kayyem, who previously served as Assistant Secretary for Intergovernmental Affairs at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security during the Obama administration, and in addition to teaching here at HKS, is also CEO of Zemcar. I should also note in full disclosure that up until recently, I served as Juliette's producer on the SCIF, her wild podcast out of G- wGbH news
1: uh, it's great to see you. I know it's good to be back in the studio with you we had to we had to say goodbye to the podcast not farewell but goodbye just given some of my other work commitments but it is good to be back here I can imagine
0: given all of your uh, what your portfolio is right now uh, it's a little overwhelming um, and I think in general if for anybody who's following the news right yeah. now Everything's a bit overwhelming.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I mean, just, I mean, every issue is a huge issue. It seems like someone told me the other day that the Democrat who's who's going to challenge. Trump in 2020, their motto should be tired of having a headache, because like, I think we all go around like sort of, you know, the headaches of whether it's uh, uh, drama in the White House, uh, the Alabama Senate race, uh, you know, and then you have real dramas, like, of course, what's going on right now, the fires in Los Angeles, the -hmm. the North Korea, um, uh, the recognition of Jerusalem and what that's going to mean. And so it is, uh, it's crazy. And underneath it all, of course, is What's happening to this presidency with this, with this Robert Mueller investigation? I know that's why I'm here, but it's just like, that's like this sort of, you know, is, is there, um, uh, you know, when there's a um, an earthquake under the ocean, uh, there's a question about whether there's going to be a tsunami after. And so they're sort of measuring the water to see if it's actually going out to the ocean. I know this because I have a background in, in disaster management. And I'm like, what what's the water? What's the pressure in the water? Like, you feel like there's been an earthquake uh, and uh, the election of Donald Trump. And you're like, is there a tsunami after it? Right. And and
0: not to, uh, to mix metaphors here, but a lot of this seems like uh, kind of Tea leaf, reading tea leaves. Yeah,
1: it is. And I, I think any analyst of what's going on with what's happening with the investigation has to be super careful. I have, um, over the course of the year as a commentator on WGBH and CNN, I've even made mistakes. You can't read uh, too much into something. You, um, you have to be dependent on um, uh, reporters that you trust, and not all of them you're going to trust. In fact, um, be careful of uh, in a world like this. Honestly, as a as you know, someone who has sort of Harvard behind them, I have to be careful about what I retweet, even because um, uh, because it is tea leaves. Now, there's things that we do know um, because they've been either validated in some of the public documents coming out of the Mueller investigation, uh, but certainly the 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 sort of tsunami was there direct collusion. The question of uh, that Mueller has been asked to answer uh, is is one that we don't know yet. So let's talk about that word collusion. Yeah, we've heard it a lot.
0: Um, is that the actual thing that we really should be worried about when it comes to the Mueller investigation? Because it seems like there are a lot of charges when it comes to I mean, that yeah. we've already seen against uh, Papadopoulos, Manafort, yeah. Flynn, um, that
1: aren't necessarily collusion, no. but just kind of lying to and the FBI, what, uh, that kind right, of thing. That's exactly right. So so what we can't tell by what's happened so far, so um, as everyone knows, so Papadopoulos has pled guilty, uh, a foreign policy advisor to the White House, uh, the former national security advisor, Mike Flynn, has pled guilty and then Manafort and oh now I'm forgetting his name of so many characters and, and and one of his deputies um, uh, actually have been indicted so you have four sort of relatively senior people uh, in the uh, near the Trump administration near the Trump campaign but none of those are establishing a theory of the case and good lawyers are sort of reading into either the indictments or the plea agreements and saying okay well maybe it means this right or maybe it means that um, but we don't know yet so what what just let's we'll take a step back so lots of noise what we what can't be denied at this stage and i'd like to remind everyone of this of how far we are from benign so how you have to think about building a case is you have evidence and the evidence uh, as you put the connective tissue together to create a theory of the case is either going to lead you to a benign explanation or a really really scary one so let's just put collusion on the other end of that scale um We're not at collusion yet. Uh, Collusion would be sort of active cooperation between the Trump campaign um, and a foreign entity to alter uh, the outcome of the election. But we are so far from benign. I mean, in other words, we're somewhere much closer to collusion. And remember and this is clearly what's driving some of this talk about obstruction of justice, is how far we are from the Trump administration's explanation. They started saying there were no contacts. There's dozens of contacts that are not disclosed, that are lied about, that are denied, that are, "Oh, we didn't know what we were doing, "Oh, it's stupid Donald Trump Jr." whatever. It doesn't matter. Dozens of contacts um, that um, and activities by the president that you'd have to sort of deny the chronology to suggest that he didn't know. The most famous one being, of course, uh, uh, the question of whether Donald Trump Jr. told him uh, that WikiLeaks was going to release the Hillary Clinton emails. And an hour later, you know, Donald Trump tweets about it. So there's a lot of different pieces. But in in their totality, a theory of, a ca- of the case is being built for people who can't follow along all the time. And one thing to focus, of course, is on all the lies. And I think it's important to say that just because I don't think the Trump people get the benefit of the doubt anymore. I really don't. You know, if they say two plus two equals four, I'm still going to doubt that at this stage because the lies have been still so consistent. Um, the other is remember, Mueller was designated. In response to the firing of Comey and everything, and and the recusal of uh, the attorney general, really to look at a counterintelligence case. I mean, the question before Mueller is what happened in the election, uh, and so the uh, prosecuting people may not be his number one goal. I mean, he his duty is to create a report for his boss, the senior leadership of the Department of Justice, or his bosses. That explains what happened in the election. So it could be that the expl- explanation is incredibly damning, uh, but that, you know, there's going to be no criminal indictments outside of obstruction of justice. That's what we don't know now. Um, and there are different theories about what to make of what Donald, what, uh, what Mueller has done so far. Some say, well, they're clearly covering up collusion. Others say maybe he doesn't have it and all he's got is an obstruction of justice case. Those are two narratives going out there. I should say I keep talking, but there's one final thing. Um, the defense has not only by the Trump people has not only gone from there was no um, contact. contact to there was minor contact to there was contact, but it wasn't collusion to collusion, but collusion's not a crime to and this is where we are right now. The president cannot obstruct justice. I want everyone to take a deep breath with that one. Um, although, although the the president himself has said they're not going to be using that. The as president's a, as a, White House lawyers mm-hmm. have said that. The president's personal lawyers have not, and you just don't know what's going on with his legal team. I mean, I think he has White House lawyers who recognize they represent the command, the president of the United States, and he has his outside lawyers. I mean, this, mm-hmm. you know, Trump surrounds himself with whomever will tell him what he wants to hear at that moment. Um, So that's sort of what we're looking for uh, in terms of the potentially months ahead. But obviously there have been pivotal moments like the Manafort and then, of course, the more recent one, the Flynn uh, indictment or plea. Does collusion – if collusion isn't there, do these other things matter? You would think. You would think. Um, I agree with you that we've gotten so tied. And I think in that way, the sort of narrative has benefited Trump that you sort of, you know, um, uh, that all this activity because it can't prove that eureka moment um, somehow gets dismissed because you're all you're trying to prove is that eureka moment. But if you just look at all of this activity in its totality, all of it. The contacts, the WikiLeaks, the uh, fi- the meetings about adoptions that are really about sanctions, the calling of the ambassadors that are lied about, I mean, a- and, of course, the lying on the obstruction of justice, right, that leads to the obstruction of justice charges, that would, in any rational world in which there was a responsive Senate and House, uh, would would be enough, um, and uh Uh, but I I agree with you. And I I should say we have a tendency, it's a, Great point that you bring about the 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 Russian Trump collusion context. Um, I tend to use the word cooperation because I think I think what you can prove is that the Trump campaign and you know I don't want to hear that Don Trump Jr. didn't have access to his dad. He had access to his dad. You know that the Trump campaign cooperated or was willing to cooperate with all these random weird Russians, and then in some ways it was a very smart counterintelligence uh, uh, effort by the Russians to infiltrate either the the failed candidate or the future president of the United States. There is, of course, another issue, which we're not talking about today, but it is it tends to get swept in, which is Russia's other campaign. Um, and that is, of course, the fake news, the Facebook, the Twitter. I only mention it here because people tend to think about it in contact in um, as altogether There's no proof of that. Russia just had a propaganda campaign of fake news directed towards certain jurisdictions. And I think where we don't know if they link is... Uh, was were the Russians directed by sort of Jared Kushner and the data management team on the on the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. We haven't heard much about that lately, uh, but that's certainly you know, that would be signs of collusion that you're directing a foreign entity to alter reality essentially for uh, for uh, for people. And, you know, I have to say it here and Facebook has like done nothing. I mean, it's just it's just remarkable in response.
0: I I recall. Earlier this year, you uh, talking about how Mike Flynn, the uh, retired general, um, uh, very short term national security advisor, you thought he had flipped. Yeah, early this year. Yeah, um, which is to say, he had uh, become an out. He 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 had gone with Mueller right. to try and try and uh, dig up something on the, on the president. Well, now we know that he has pled guilty to yeah. uh, lying to the FBI. Um, given what we know about what he has done about his involvement with attempts at at kidnapping yeah. um his his work with uh, the Turkish government uh it sounds like Mueller could have charged him with a lot more yeah. than lying to the FBI uh
1: does that mean that there there's... is more yeah yeah it's it's hard to know so there's uh lawyers that I respect um uh, uh, that are saying it, this may actually show that Mueller doesn't have more. That in other words, that um, it, most prosecutors do not go after someone for lying because it taints them as a witness. So it may be that that Flynn is the end of the line. I don't believe that. I'm, but I want to say that that in other words, uh, to your listeners, no one knows the theory of the case yet. But people are reading the tea leaves. The tea leaves I read are. Flynn is already tainted. Um, He's going to be a horrible witness for either side. So get the information from him and don't use him as a witness. I think that could be an, a, a legitimate uh, um, uh, theory of the case for Mueller, who may not be looking at prosecutions at this stage. He just wants the information from Flynn about what the heck happened. Um, and you get Jared and those guys on obstruction or whatever it was that they were doing. Um, so that, but 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 if I'm the Trump people, the the who you're worried about is the non-family members and the non-true believers. Everyone always says to me, "How did you know about Flynn?" I was like, "Non-family, non-true believers." Flynn was ex- Flynn used Trump to rehabilitate his career after getting fired from pre- by President Obama, um, and Trump used Flynn um as a way to um Uh, 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 sort of say I have legitimate people around me so other people I'm looking at because of this Hope Hicks uh been with him a long time not a true believer um she's 20 something and i often think um her parents probably have something to say about this right you know you're not going down with this guy so hope hicks his long-term sort of a special assistant the access point for information to him she has uh met be- with Mueller, and i think it's interesting that we're getting a lot of leaks this week after she met um Uh, Don McGahn, um, the White House counsel, so he works for the United States, not for Trump, although sometimes there's no distinction these days. Uh, Don McGahn, uh, was involved with the firing of Comey and uh, was told by former Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates um, that Mike Flynn had probably been compromised. Uh, not clear at all whether he did the right thing then, um, but uh, but he is someone also not a true believer, not a family member uh, that I would be very worried about if I'm if I'm the Trump people. Um, so and then there's you know remember there's a whole leadership at the FBI and DOJ that are not Trumpsters, right? They are they they defend their age. Agencies and stuff. So you know, um, all I know is the president seems particularly panicked. Um, we're talking at a time after the weekend when he basically threw the FBI under the bus after the Mike Flynn news. He seems particularly uh, panicked, and he also has gone silent this week on the issue. Um, uh, so I think shoes will drop, you know, continuously, and it's just, uh, and then we'll see what happens. And and. Um, but there are things I believe, looking at all the data, that will lead to a constitutional moment, a constitutional crisis, uh, people on the streets. I don't know. There are others um, that I'm not sure about. Are you referring
0: specifically to the the obstruction of justice uh, question that people have people have raised? Uh, I mean, um, uh, Alan Dershowitz yeah. has been very vocal, saying that the president can't. Obstruct justice, right. because as the chief, essentially the chief law enforcement officer, uh, it's, his, uh, it's his prerogative who to prosecute, just like any prosecutor. Right. But you would still can't lie.
1: Choose. I mean, the Alan Dershowitz theory is like you still can't lie to FBI agents. So the obstruction of justice isn't whether you're directing resources, it's whether you're actually lying about the resources already directed um, mm-hmm. for an investigation no lawyer who's concerned about the rule of law would say that a president is actually above the law. It's was, it was uh, the, uh, um, you know, we are not uh, in a pre-Watergate era. We're in a post-Watergate era. And, I, and, and just sit back and think about what that would mean, right? Think about, he could kill someone and think about what that would mean and, well, and, 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 and direct resources not towards, I mean, it's just, re, it's a ridiculous theory of the case. It's a...
0: Fair question about this question of whether the president is above the law, because um, even uh, during Watergate or post-Watergate, uh, there never was any actual—we uh, never solved the question right. um, whether right. the president could actually be prosecuted um, and who would do the prosecuting, what what charges he could be uh, pulled up on. Um, but it also introduces an interesting question, I think— what if it does get closer? It, it It is friends and true believers. What if um,
1: Jared Kushner, for instance, was, was that's indicted? The constitutional, that's constitutional—that's the moment. I mean, that's the moment where—well, let me go back. There's no way Donald Trump allows Jared Kushner or Donald Trump Jr. to be indicted or to face any. So there'll be a pardon, and um, or there'll be a firing of Mueller. And I, I, I'm— I think we're coming to that moment. I don't see any data to suggest that we're not. Um, Jared Kushner also has consistently lied. There's a story this morning. We don't, it's hard to follow all the headlines that Donald Trump Jr. and Donald Trump were notified by Russians, were asked by a third party if they wanted the emails, the WikiLeaks emails. Um, and uh, that's the moment I don't know. Right. Because that feels like a banana republic that your sons and your son-in-law do not only illegal stuff to make you president, but lie consistently after that fact. And then you pardon them and then you suffer no consequences. Or you fire Mueller, who's, you know, who's um, by all accounts facing a a right wing radio and right wing TV sort of, you know, onslaught right now. They are definitely laying the groundwork for a firing Um, In the public's mind. I think stepping back, um, what gives me hope, and I don't mean this as a Democrat, is the president is wildly unpopular. And, uh, and it's one thing to be challenged or, you know, to use the tools of the presidency, when you're wildly popular. And it's another to do something like this when you're unpopular. And I've got to believe that uh, um, that Republicans are looking at these numbers, too. And this is where, when you say so much is going on, I mean, this is where I think even the Alabama Senate race matters, not just because you don't want a pedophile in the Senate. Um, I think if the Democrats pull it off in Alabama, you know, the one thing that matters to these guys is survival of their seats. And they're going to look at the date and think, are we really going to go down with this guy?
0: Mm. You mentioned Mueller's firing. What happens?
1: <laughs> what if, happens? If, if, Even if, if, yours if, truly, you know, yeah. will go to the streets. Um, <laughs> what happens is, well, first he's got to get someone to fire him. Right. And so this is the funky thing and why he's so mad that that uh, uh, Sessions, the attorney general, recused himself. Who is going to fire um uh, Mueller, um, is it the deputy attorney general? Is it? Uh, he said he won't do it. I mean, he actually testified this week that Rod he has confidence. Right, yeah. That he has confidence. He said that word, confidence, in the Mueller investigation. That's a trigger to the White House. Like, don't mess with me. So he fires Ra, uh, Rosenstein. So then next up is the associate attorney general. Um, I don't know what she would do, but you got to find someone to fire him. Um, uh, and if that happened, um, I mean, I do think that's I mean, that's the Saturday Night Massacre. And you've got to believe that responsible Republicans would come forward um, and say enough, um, you know, who knows. Right. I mean, at that stage. And that's what I think people find so Discombobulating about this presidency. Forget the policies, or the Muslim ban, or the you know anti climate change, you know whatever. Like just or the taxes. Like in some ways, you know, all of those. We may have lost four years of being a a, a nation that is looking forward rather than back. But I I do think on that stuff we'll regroup even. Even on the taxes, it's however horrible the policy is. I actually don't think it's going to pass, but that's another podcast as well. But Because um, uh, they're looking at the polling. Um, but this other stuff, mm-hmm. this sort of foundational institutional stuff. I, I read somewhere, and I, that's the stuff that, that do we bounce back? How resilient are we? Talk about resiliency in my world. How resilient are, are we? Someone writing about all these sexual scandals going on uh, we're talking the day after Al Franken resigned um, uh, said about between the Democrats and Republicans, and they wrote, and I thought it was so interesting that you know a, it turns out that our a lot of our institutional in- integrity is based on a sense of shame, and we have a president who has no shame, right? What does he care right you know so so m- most people would be embarrassed to support a pedophile, you know, uh, you know, uh, Roy Moore or or, or uh, An uh, Yeah, yeah. So that's I thought that was interesting. And the question is, is when does the shame for the rest of us say, no, this isn't us anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, I hate to leave it
0: on such a. I know, I don't know.
1: but I I should say, um, one year later. We're still standing, I mean, in other words, the institutions have fought back the um you know, the, the it's all horrible. There's no question. I mean, on the policy stuff, I mean, think about for me and the world I am on immigration and climate change and the hurricanes and Puerto Rico and all that there's no question uh, that things are bad. that stuff we've had bad policy presidents before, but I will say, you know, Trump likes to be a winner. Boy, does he win as, you know, the, the president who wants to be president of a nation that uh, he does not respect. Ultimately, the rule of law, integrity, a sense of shame, all that stuff that has made America great. So my, my motto for the Democratic candidate in 2020 or even the Republican challenger, depending on if his polling remains as bad, make America America again. That's all I want. And no headaches. Matt aga is hard to say. <laughs> well, thank you so thank much, Jeanette for
0: coming on. Really appreciate it, as always.
1: Great to be back.
0: PolicyCast is a production of Harvard Kennedy School. I'm Matt Cadwallader. That's at Matt Cad on Twitter. My co-producers are Natalie Montana, Sarah Abrams, and Becky Wickle. Have something to tell us about this or any other episode? Let us know on Twitter at PolicyCast or via email at PolicyCast at hks.harvard.edu. And visit us at hkspolicycast.org.
1: See you next week.